One of the questions that I often ask clients is, what is the desired outcome that you're looking for? All right, I'm here with the one and only Jay Barnett, King Jay. Thank you so much for being here, man. Man, thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it, Aaron. This is good, man. Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this for a while. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron Wexler, and welcome to another episode of Within the Game. Today, I'm joined by author, speaker, ex-NFL player, marriage and family therapist, and mental health expert, life coach, and just you just being on a mission to empower, inspire, and ignite fire into the minds of men and women across the globe, helping them to become their best selves. Jay, I just love that mission statement. So I just, again, I appreciate you being here. And I'm going to jump right into the first question that I always start out with, which is, what does inspired living mean to you? Man, I feel like um, inspired living means to me, man, uh, living life authentically, man, living life, uh, you know, full, living life to the fullest, uh, living life, you know, on your terms, living life through your purpose, through your pain. Um, through all of your different, uh, you know, challenges, I think sometimes we like to pick out the parts, you know, that we want to live from. But I think it's important to live from all parts, right? And so um, it's, it's, it's living from the valley, too, uh, as much as we love to to stand on the mountaintop. So that's what I think, you know, living uh, or inspiring living is. Yeah, man. Yes. You know, I was telling you before we started, you know, I became a fan of yours when I was watching uh, this IG live you did with with Q with Quentin Williams. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, Q. Q, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just you just hit a chord in me when you were talking about healing. And, you know, I want to frame this conversation on this idea of healing and 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 heal healing from something. Right. Because I feel like we're all on a healing journey, you know, so like. Could you just talk a little bit about your healing journey and and what brought you to this this realm, this modality of healing? Well, you know, for me, Aaron, um, I, I think what what brought me to uh, this 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 space in my life was really living from uh, so many places of pain, and you know, you're a former athlete as well, and and, and especially for athletes, I think. Um, as I was telling a friend of mine, when, when, when you're an athlete, man, you, you don't think about pain, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about pain, it's usually physical pain, right? I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to do another squat. I don't want to do another power clean. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do uh, uh, another run. You know, uh, it, it, you think from the physicality of pain. But I think after football was the first time that I actually had to process my emotional pain. And the emotional pain became a weight. And as I've shared, uh, you know, through through my story and, 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 and about surviving two suicide attempts and what brought me to that place was not processing the emotional pain that I had from the divorce of my parents, the rejection of my father, the physical abuse of my stepfather, and just so many uh, other things that took place in my adolescent years that really shaped me and colored uh, this picture of blackness. And when I say blackness, it's because even in a clinical setting when most kids color about pain, it's usually very dark. You know, you get the browns, you get the, the, the black, you get the very disgust, you don't get the 
uh, yellow, the orange, the green, the colors that represents life. And so for me, I had this canvas that was colored very dark, which led me to uh, attempting suicide twice. And I think kind of flirting and uh, uh, kind of engaging with it, the idea of going to therapy. And as I grew up a PK in the church, my father still is a pastor. And growing up in that space and not really understanding that there was other entities besides church. There were other spaces to process besides prayer or other tools rather besides prayer. And got into therapy, man, and loved it. Uh, tough at first, as mm -hmm. most men have this difficulty in being vulnerable. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, when you look at the program and, and just the way we have been socialized and how we have been uh, sort of guided, it's always in the less you can show, the more of a man you are. And I now will challenge that to say, the more you can show, the more of a man you are. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, so yeah. And, and that led me, man, into going back to school, becoming a therapist and, and, uh, you know, after graduating, uh, creating space for men and creating space for brothers to, to begin healing. Um, because when I was in grad school, man, I realized, man, if I don't put this out there, people would never know this type of information or even know, uh, the quality of life that they can have beyond addressing certain things. And I think what was a great shift to our society was the pandemic because we had never black, white, rich or poor. I don't think we as humans over the past hundred years had ever considered the emotional and mental elements of how we do life. We were focused on eating, providing for our family, getting to the next point in life. You know what I mean? So we weren't really thinking on the quality of life as being, we were really focused on the human doing part. You know, everybody was trying to achieve the American dream. And I think the pandemic allowed us to look at the dream that we had attained to see how much of this dream were we really in pursuit of, or did this dream that we have acquired, had it become a nightmare? And so, so many different things that I feel that took place for my, for, for me to emerge as this person uh, in the mental health space, as a therapist, as a black man, but just also as a voice, you know, and, and as a face to say, this is what healing looks like. But as, you know, uh, uh, looking at healing, but also looking at this is what everyday people need to be processing in order to become better, you know, uh, human beings in their lives. Right. Man, I just resonate so much with everything that you're saying and, and what you're all about, man, because my whole message is stay inspired, right? And and and, and that that doesn't mean like every single minute of the day, just where I'm like, oh, I'm so inspired all the time. It For me, it means stay on the trajectory of mm -hmm. just being in that that's that energy it's really more mm -hmm. of an energy and so i really feel the whole message that you're talking about which is this this i think your your last book is uh just heal bro right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i and i really like that because it's like i it, it makes me think of my next question for you which is the idea of healing as a thing like what is healing 
you know, because I know you've had some injuries. I've, I've had injuries, too. So the first thing I think of healing is like, OK, we got to heal from our injury. Right. We got to get back to to, um, you know, uh, balance homeostasis, right. you know, um, but there's so much more to unpack there. Right. Like yeah. like you mentioned, emotional yeah. intelligence and, you know, spiritual healing and, you know, all these different parts of healing. Um, could you go into that a little bit more and just unpack that? Yeah, word you know, from 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 the athletic perspective, right? You know, we we all get asked that question when Coach said, "Are you hurt? Or are you right. injured?" Right. Right. So you know, hurt is just kind of like, all right, I need a couple of plays off, or I just need a few days of rest. Injured is now, all right, we may have to examine this. Maybe you got to get an MRI. Maybe we need to, you know, run some other uh, 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 tests, and so. I think when you think about the healing part as uh, the human and from the whole person, right, of a more of a holistic view, you're looking at what do you need to recover from? And many times we're not looking at healing as the recovery phase. We're looking at healing to get back out there. And so for me, healing is really just stop and pausing and examining not only just the pain, but what's causing the pain. Right. I know my head hurt, but what is the reason that my head could be hurting? Right. Did I eat something that triggers something? Did I have too much sugar? Am I dehydrated? You know, all of those different things. Is that something else that's going on that I maybe need to uh, assess on a, a more deeper level and go and get some blood work and some things like that? And so for me, uh, healing is about recovering. Healing is about making better. Um, healing is about re restoration. And so, and I, and I think those are uh, the, the three phases of, uh, of healing that stands out, three elements that stands out to me is, what do you need to recover from? How do you need to be restored? You know, mm -hmm. what are those things that, that can be made better? Because until you have an understanding of what's wrong, you don't have clarity on how it needs to be corrected or how it needs to be made right. So healing for me, man, is layered. Uh, there's this process. Uh, there, there, there's this duality because you get the whole stuff that broke you, but also you get the whole, uh, the inspiration, as you said, mm -hmm. of being inspired to mm -hmm. the same thing that broke you. What if this is the same thing that actually gives you the tools that you need to make you better? What if this is a are, are the tenets that you're able to extract from the experience that allows you to become the person you need to become in order to succeed in the way that you choose so man it's mm -hmm. just so much bro that <laughs> right. i take in and what what mm -hmm. what i've what i've grown to love about who god is, has has really created me to be is that i have this 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 psychological aspect i have this experience uh, experiential perspective i have this holistic view i have this spiritual view i have this theology view and what I love is that I get to bring all of these things together. And whether I'm talking to you, whether I'm talking to, you know, cause I've been interviewed by so many different people and being able to pull from those different things. And that's what I've been able to uh, really embrace because healing looks different for everyone, sure. right? You know, sure. because I've worked with people who have been molested, uh, people who have gone through divorce, people who are living with a terminal, uh, illness and, and, and healing oftentimes doesn't mean that you're trying to forget what happened. 
sometimes it's remembering what happened to find understanding of what is happening in your present. Yeah. And so it's, it's, yeah, man, I love to talk healing, man. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, and it's, 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 it's so unique because I remember a time where all I could talk about was football. <laughs> all I could talk about was, you know, looking at a defense and, you know, trying to break it down and, you know, are they in cover two, are they in zone, are they in man, you know, are they in quarters, you know, is this a nickel defense, is this a three, four, four, three, all of those different things, man. So now to really take this perspective and looking at the, looking at humanity, right, is this psychological what's happening, right, is this biological, you know, is this mental, is this, is this emotional, is this physical? So uh, to, to to that question that you asked, it it it, it brought it brought it's stirring up some stuff, man. So Good. this is a great question. <laughs> Good. Well, I love it. Uh, I I think I really admire your authenticity and vulnerability, especially when you talk about suicide. I've I've listened to you know a bunch of your content recently, and I just really admire that you can share from this deep soul place, right? This and 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 I want to actually dive into that a little bit more because, you know. I was thinking about this last night. When I think of healing, after all the things, right, the physical, the mental, the emotional, I want to talk about spiritual. Because the spiritual healing for me, when I think about that, and I'd love to hear your response and your takeaways from this, is for me, it's alignment with my soul. Absolutely. It's like true alignment, right? Because all the other stuff that happens, you know, it happened right? Whatever it, whatever it was, whether it's an injury or all those things. But when you get back to alignment with your own soul, now you're really healing. Absolutely, man. Uh, and, and really, when you think about the spiritual part of it, as I tell people, you know, and, and I say this to prefaces for those who may not be believers and those who have beliefs in other powers that be, and which is great. And I mm-hmm. said that when God made mankind, he had our mental health in mind because he created us to be mind, body, and spirit. And once you understand that we are tribe beings, you understand that you have to understand the power that resides in you, the power that you're able to exercise, and the power that's above you. And so the power that's above you, right, has to be this vertical relationship that you develop some way or fashion, whether that's Buddha, Hindu, uh, um, Allah, whatever that is for you, it has to be vertical. And as you align yourself vertically, that allows you to expand horizontally Mm, because my relation, my relationship vertically will always determine my relationships horizontally. And so you get this cross, this symbolic, right, of this cross, right? Because as I'm working on this, which is the alignment of the soul, this amplifies that. And the healing spiritually will always determine what an individual permeates because a compromised soul can't rest. It can't find stillness. And when I can't find stillness and I can't rest, it's hard for me to create stillness within myself. So all of my relationships become tainted. All of my relationships become very distorted. All of my relationships becomes very hostile, very toxic, and all of those different things, right, that we pull from these uh, uh, 
spaces where we have not found alignment. Mm. And once you have the alignment that allows you to be able to adjust, that allows you to be able to extend grace, compassion, love, operating from peace, joy, and even in the disappointment, the alignment allows for me to feel that the disappointment is temporary, right? And so again, what you what 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 uh, the statement you've made that that healing spiritually is about alignment in your soul because you live from the abundance of your soul or you live from the deficits of your soul is what I truly believe. Right. And so when you understand that as I'm healing, I have to heal my mind, which is what I remember. I have to heal from my emotions, which is how I process. But when I begin to heal my soul, I'm healing how I'm going to live and versus how I live, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, uh, so yeah, man, this, I mean, you got me teaching, brother. I feel like I'm in a life class. <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, it, it really is because um, we don't really explore this stuff too much, especially in athletics and, and entrepreneurship, no. you know, which is the, no. the spaces that I'm in. And, and I'm loving this because, you know, I, I wanted to just share a little bit about what alignment means to me past the whole idea of of being aligned with your soul's desires i think it actually also moves into your daily thoughts and actions and your ability to speak from that place of alignment right like to me like that that's such an important part of my life now so i can get i can do my alignment practice in the morning i do my meditation and i get aligned i remember who i really am right and then and we're going to get into identity in a minute because I think that all fits with this. But if you remember who you really are, that now you're aligned, you're aligned with your soul. So now all the thoughts and the words and the actions come from that place of alignment, right? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, man. You, you, you hit it all, man. I mean, it, it's what I, um, I was doing this, um, I was talking to those athletes We just, I just posted a video today because the, the talk that I had with these athletes in Florida uh, at Miami University, man, was so powerful. Mm. And, um, and we've been able to chop so many different clips, you know, from it. And that was the one thing that I, I really spoke with them about is their routine. And your routine is always going to be centered around your belief system. Mm -hmm. And your belief system is centered around you know, uh, what you have bought into, what is the creed, what is the culture, right? What What is the uh, landscape that you have developed to be the stable in which you live? So if I don't have a solid foundation, my landscape is a bit sketchy, mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 it's not well kept then it's hard for me to really align myself with thoughts that I don't agree with because your mind, your body, your words, all of those things have to be uh, uh, unified in agreement that as I think it, I speak it. And as I speak it, therefore I live and I function in it. Right. And so, you, you know, you hear guys make, um, uh, 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 different examples, uh, or meta uh, metaphorically, you know, speaking about, you know, you don't have to convince a dog to bark. That's just <laughs> the identity of who he is. It's in his nature to bark. And so I think for us to understand that 
it's in our nature to really create the world in which we want to live in or that we wish to live in. And we create that world through our routine. We create that world through the words. We create those uh, that world through our thoughts um, because your thoughts will govern your life is what I believe. Right. And so, right. I mean, but then too, right? And here's the other thing that I love from the spiritual aspect. Yeah. These, all of these things are laid, laid out, right, spiritually. Because so as a man thinking, so is he. Mm -hmm. So your thoughts drives your actions. Your thoughts drives how you live. And I think once individuals can find uh, some type of sovereignty in how they want to live, now they can come in an agreement, right, with the thoughts that they're telling themselves. And most yeah. of the times, Aaron, it's just we have not we, 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 we have not discovered, right, how we really want to live. So a lot of these things just kind of hang and we choose the low hanging fruit. Hmm. And the low hanging fruit is, this is just the way it is. But the fruit that's higher is, well, how do you want to live? Hmm. And to reach higher means what? You're probably going to have to climb. <laughs> And which is what the process and the process is often time, the grueling aspects of getting the life that you want to live. It's often redirecting your thought patterns, but you can't redirect until you restructure. And without the restructuring, you need deconstruction first. Mm. So we got to tear down this old way of thinking. We have to tear down this old way of processing. And it's just like a computer system, right? It's only so much information that you can keep downloading before you, you push the hard drive, you know, to crash. Wow. But we're like, and they're like, well, you need to update the system. We don't want to update. Because oftentimes to update your computer means you got to wait five minutes that you feel like I don't have five minutes. I need to use my computer now. And what we need to do is do a system update here in order to change the uh, landscape of how we're living or, or how we see life. Well, wow, that's really interesting because uh, I was thinking about this again, prepping for this conversation about updating. Uh, I was literally using the exact same analogy of updating the software. For me, actually, let, let's talk about this for a minute. Now you mentioned it because I believe that you can update all day long, but I would—I actually want to uh, ask you about de deconstructing first because that actually makes sense to create more space for more updates. Right. And, and, and just to go on that for a little bit further, um, any tools that you can use or, or share for those updates, like for me, I really like affirmations before this interview, I was I was listening to some, uh, some empowering affirmations, it helps me charge up, it helps me like, yeah, I am, you know, I am successful, I am a, a being of light, you know, spiritually, I am um, here and now and present, you know, that all that stuff. I feel constantly updates me, but yeah, talk about deconstructing a little bit to create space for more of that. So, update. so when, when, when you look at, uh, deconstruction, right, you have to really look at the things that you need to remove mm. that does not serve you for the future that you desire. 
one of the questions that I often ask clients is, what is the desired outcome that you're looking for, right? Um, I want to be able to manage my thoughts. Okay, I want to be able to love my husband in a way or connect. So when I hear this is the desired outcome, now the next step is to begin deconstructing, meaning that uh, what are the ways or what are the things that you have been using that has limited you from connecting with your spouse? So, well, I normally, uh, when he leans in, I tend to pull back or I withdraw. So now we're going to have to deconstruct this model of withdrawing to being able to lean in. And leaning in is not easy for a person who often runs. Mm -hmm. So it's now I have to challenge what are you what challenge you from leaning in that's causing the apprehension or the hesitation? Well, I fear him rejecting me. Has he rejected you? No. So it's deconstructing the models of false and faulty belief systems. I have a feeling that if I show my vulnerable side when he's leaning in that he may reject me. But here is this uh, uh, this oxymoronic space. You're not leaning in, but you're wanting him to receive you, but you haven't given him an opportunity. So I'm uh, contextually, I'm laying it out because deconstruction doesn't mean that you go in and you start tearing things down. You show individuals on why it's not working, what is not working, and why it's not working, right? We don't need this right here. Okay, well, why do you think that? If we get rid of this, we can create more space and we can really put what you really want here. Now, this person feels, oh, now I can begin to see the bigger picture and the deconstruction. Because if you just mm -hmm. go down, go in and tearing up stuff, people just kind of, wait, 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 wait a minute. So I love to provide uh, uh, clarity and context so that deconstruction model for those, that tool is looking at the things that don't serve you, looking at the things that are not working, looking at the things that are ineffective, and then begin removing them. After you remove them, you replace them with things that get you to the outcome that you want. Hmm. If I'm wanting to connect, with my spouse, I now have to deconstruct which I need to remove walking away and replace it with staying. Well, I don't have anything to say, just stay. And if you, if, and if you stay, you now get to discover what is needed on both parties. So now you just reconstructed a model that you deconstructed, hmm. if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. No, it really does. I love that. I love that a lot. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it, what it, what that means to me is create space, create space for for something new, and um, and change your beliefs, right? I mean, everything is beliefs, right? You you said that the thoughts thoughts uh, become action. So if we want really good thoughts, we got to have really good beliefs. To me, that's subconscious right? Like really working on the subconscious so that the beliefs, Absolutely. yeah, that's a, that belief system is there. So the thought process throughout the day is based on that belief system. 
Um, and we can change the beliefs. We can just, yeah. you know, it, with this deconstruction and this this updating of of the new system, which is all this is all personal growth stuff, which I love. This is a, this all, is all personal I love. growth. And, and this is and this is why uh, when I came out of grad school, that I knew that I had to, you know. Um, I had so many professors was like, you know, I think you're just trying to do too much with mental health. I think you're just trying to, and I'm just like, man, listen, I, I was in private practice for two years. And I said, this is not for me because private practice limits you from expanding, mm -hmm. not just the, uh, uh, the clinical space and the therapeutic opportunities but it limits you from expanding the language for those who would never go to therapy. Right. So right. somebody's going to watch this podcast and they're instantly going to feel like they went to therapy. And that's what I wanted to do is to take therapy to people because healing can take place anywhere. It can take place. Listen to your podcast. It can take place. You uh, are listening to a conversation. You know what I mean? From I, I've had people I've said it in, and in, in, in the uh, nail place where I go to get my manicures and pedicures. Mm -hmm. And I'm just on the phone rapping with one of my boys. And the lady says, well, I'm not, I wasn't listening to your conversation, but wow. I, 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 I which, she's like, what, what, what do you do? She's like, because you were just talking and, and, and this is just the way we talk, you know what I mean? So, and, and just to have people have a clear picture that mental health is just not a bunch of fancy words and a bunch of different terms that we pour from the DSM. Like, no, it's simplified commentary, right? I don't want to make it to where it, they feel like it's some esoteric, you know what I mean? To where they can't reach it and it's for this secret society. Like, no, I want to simplify this language for everyone. Mm -hmm. And if your interpretation is that it's personal development, if your interpretation is that this is healing, and if your interpretation is this, this is just uh, uh, professional growth, whatever you take from it and you get to just like if we were to look at a picture and I said, Aaron, what do you see? You said, I see a bird, Jay. And I'm like, man, I see a, a, a dog. It's abstract. So you have this abstractual of, 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 of view that whatever you need from it, you're able to take from it. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what I wanted to do. And that's what I love doing podcasts and, and doing, I've been offered so much, so many things to do my podcast and I won't yeah. do it because I, I'm not a podcast person. That's just the real, but I love being able to provide that to other persons who have a podcast because every person that I've interviewed with brings something different out of me. Sure. Every, yeah. every, and people are like, dang, dude, you never say the same thing. And the one thing that I love is that in my quiet time, I love having revelation. I love looking at things and go, hmm, what can I pull out of this text that no one else sees? Sure. What yeah. can I pull out of this conversation that no one else hears? And I think that's a unique thing that I wish, Aaron, that I would have tapped into this when I was an athlete. And of course, it's serving me well right now. But as you said, we don't get to uh, to explore who we are as human beings because we're so focused on performance. Yes. And 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 actually, I want to talk about that right now because I heard you talk about that before. Like we we as athletes, let's talk about athletes now. We as athletes have all this pressure to perform. 
Yeah. Both, both men and women, uh, uh, you know, all ages, we have pressure, right? And and there's nothing wrong with winning. We, winning is great. Winning is fun, you know? Um, but per, there, I would like you to kind of talk about that pressure because that pressure is real. Because if we don't perform and if we don't win, we're, we sometimes have fear of ridicule or like, why didn't you do this? Or And then we feel like a victim a little bit, you know? Um, talk about that pressure and how we can deal with that better as athletes. Well, I think how we can do deal with that better as athlete is some things that I'm in. Um, I'm, I'm creating two things right now, University of Memphis and uh, Tennessee State University. That I think that are going to be groundbreaking. But I think how we can better deal with that is we, we need to put things in place to allow these athletes to be able to process from their humanity rather than their mask um, mm. from their performative state. I'm not going to say masculinity, but but we often have created this uh, interpretation that masculinity performs. Femininity is being. So masculinity is doing. Femininity is being. But what I think we have to do is begin normalizing that masculinity is both doing and being. And when you can do that, it allows guys to understand that it's okay if you have a bad game and you're not going back to your room, beating yourself up, smoking two or three blunts, looking for two or three chicks to process rather than to say, you know what, it's okay. And what drives us into the rabbit hole is that we, we develop early on very unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so these unhealthy coping mechanisms eventually turns into these addictions. They eventually mm -hmm. turns into these cycles, into these behavior, uh, uh, destructive behavior patterns that takes us down these dark places, especially for men. Because when we have failed or we feel that we are a failure and you don't have a healthy place to process, the next place that you're going to process is through the closest device vice that you feel the most safe in yeah right. and for some men that's i'm gonna drink myself till i can't no more for some men it's like dude i'm just gonna do every drug i can get my hands on you know and so i think what needs to happen is we have to start humanizing these athletes and that's going to remove the pressure from them to feel like i have to be on 10 who you are on the field is not who you need to be in real life. And I'll tell you something, and I, 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 I'll give you two ends of the spectrum. You watch Kobe at the end of his career when he retired. And as I was in one, of, I, one of the biggest Kobe Bryant fan, um, there he is. I watched Kobe sit on, uh, I can't, the game. This is like the last picture they kind of had of him when he was with Gigi and he had the bubble vest on and he's sitting there and he's leaning back with his daughter. Here's what I saw, Aaron. I saw a man at peace with what he had done. But then he was at peace with what he was getting ready to do and who he mm. was becoming. Wow. So it was no longer about performing and being a black mama. Now it was about being dad, being husband, being a father, being a coach. And here's the other end of that spectrum. Love Tom Brady. But you're seeing a man who is wrestling with fate and who's wrestling with not wanting to walk away 
from what has already been detailed as the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, I don't know who I am outside of a performer. Right. Wow. Wow. And when men don't understand who they are outside of as a performer, you'll always be stuck on stage. And the reality of it is that life is lived backstage. Wow. You know? Wow. So to answer your question, we have to humanize these athletes so they understand how to live their lives. That's so eloquently well said, bro. I really appreciate that. Um, when something bad happens as an athlete, whether it's an injury, you didn't get playing time, you talk about this before, this Al Bundy syndrome a little bit where like something <laughs> bad happened. <laughs> well, we'll actually, we'll talk about that because it's the flip side of that when something good happens, right? You, you win, you know, but actually I want to stay on this side of it. When, when those things happen in the past, I want to talk about victim mentality for a minute because mm -hmm. we feel, I, I felt, I've, I've, I've definitely had this before. I've felt as a, like a victim, uh, that person did this to me, that happened and I'm sitting with it or I didn't get this opportunity. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here is now I have this perspective that nothing happens to you. Everything happens for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, it, and it's a, a beautiful mindset shift to look back on those things Whatever happened, doesn't really matter what it was, but what it, whatever happened, it all happened for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's the making of who you are. That's the making of becoming. And I think you have to have an overcomer mentality to not be the victim. Mm -hmm. Though you were victimized, but the overcoming allows you to have an understanding that even in my victimization, I'm still the victor. Mm. And to identify with my victorious or with the victor mindset, I'm looking at what can I take from this lesson? Right. What can I take from this experience? What can I take from this event? What can I take from this conversation? And I think when we have not been love properly sometimes to choose the victim mentality again is low-hanging fruit mm -hmm. to choose the victor you have to reach higher and so being a victim now becomes a part of my processing and if you're not careful if that's a part of your processing you never look at yourself you will always turn your back to the mirror that you need to turn to mm. because it's easy to point out it was him it was her mm -hmm. it was the coach it was a coach and, <laughs> and like you know me you and i both probably had those experiences yeah, but yeah. i know for me it was a coach right. and and i'll share this story when i was playing arena ball and um um the first two games were great did well and this is after i left green bay 
and and uh, and of course I'm wrestling. There's there there's this dissonance with like, dang dude, you know, I gotta go down and play arena ball because at this time it was like, you know, if you got cut, release, whatever, you know, they send you to arena. Um, I think by this time they had wrapped up with NFL Europe. Uh, I think it was like on his last two legs, you know, they I think because it shut down the following year. So um, I fumbled in the game and the team picked it up and scored. And and I think this, this story is, is, is very timely for now. Mm-hmm. Sure. The whole victim thing, what we're talking about. Yeah. So coach put me back out there. Again, I'm 24-25, beating myself up over the head, man. Coach, like, get back out there. So I get out there, and I gave up a sack. And and I was, you know, I, I rarely gave up sacks. And he looked at me like, get your head in the game, Barnett. And gave up a few more attacks. I could not get my head out of the game. And at that time, I was making myself the victim because I'm just like, you couldn't get out of your head. So... I get the call, bring your playbook next day. I get cut. And it wasn't until years later, Aaron, that I now had an understanding of what was happening. Coach said to me, he said, I'm not cutting you because you fumbled. I'm cutting you because of how you responded when you fumbled. Wow. Most of us, it's how we respond about the event that right. determines where we are and how we move forward. And if you can't live or move beyond and processing in a way that you are not the victim, you will always be the victim in every story. And that will be the sign you take around the world. It's, hi, I'm Jan. And I'm a victim. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe and I'm a victim. Right, right. And the reality of it is that just because you don't, and, and for those that are understanding, even choosing the victor mindset, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yeah. Because we often think, well, if I don't say this, no, it doesn't mean that you're not acknowledging that it happened. But I'm able to acknowledge what happened, but I'm also able to identify what it gave me to become better. Right. So, you know, in that, I think that's a great, you know, lesson. And of course, when I got cut, I was just like devastated, you know, and 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 I at the time I couldn't understand what he was saying. You know, well, I'm like, what you mean? How I responded? I'm like, hey, coach. And his whole thing was like. I'm okay that you were hard on yourself, but you were so hard on yourself that you were never able to get back in the game. Right, right, right. And some of us beat ourselves down so bad where we're never able to get back in the game of life. And one event changes our entire trajectory that, and I'm not saying that it didn't happen, and I'm not saying that you were not impacted by it, but I can close out on what you just said. It happening for you was really making you mm-hmm. rather than it happened to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it reminds me of responding rather than reacting. Yeah. Responding with love 
rather than yeah. reacting with defensiveness, responding with wisdom rather than reacting with just whatever just comes to your mind in that moment, responding with patience, responding with healing, responding to who, from the place that who we really are, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good, bro. And then two, respond, responding is also a choice. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to respond. There's no thought process in reaction. Mm, it's a knee jerk. Right, right. It's a knee jerk, right? It's, no, it's a knee jerk. You hit me, I hit you back. The response is you hit me and then I have to process that if I do hit back, what happens after that? Mm -hmm. So that's the response for those that are listening. That And that's so beautiful, I, as you said, responding with love. And I would even take it a step further, is that we should respond to ourselves with more love, with more criticism, than more criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Talk, hey, real quick. I mean, I have so much I want to talk to you about, but talk about that self-love because for me, like, wow, I wish I knew that early on. I, 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 I hear that now and it just lights me up because like you talk about looking at yourself in the mirror and talking about doing mirror work. Mirror work is so amazing. <laughs> and like, just real quick for everyone listening, like mirror work, I mean, literally staring at yourself in the mirror, yeah, literally, man. like just looking at yourself. And I didn't start this till recently, but it, this is a game changer. Game when, changer I first, when I first started mirror work, I got to about five to eight seconds and I just was like, whoa, this is weird. This is strange. It's, it's, it's eerie, man. It's a little weird, right? And now, uh, you know, I still can't do it for that long. It's, 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 it's very intense. If you, if yeah. you stare at your, yourself like that, it's actually very intense. But now I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for longer. And I'm doing it out of this place of self-love. And it's yeah, extremely yeah. empowering. Yeah, very, very, very empowering, man. I think uh, when I started it, man, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, it was like five to 10 seconds. Um, and mm -hmm. it felt so awkward because <laughs> yeah. it it wasn't awkward looking at myself. It was awkward in trying to believe what I was actually saying. Wow. You know, because to look at yourself and say, I am a success. It's hard to believe when you haven't accepted the image that you're seeing. Because you, you know, you're, 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 again, you are, uh, you know, you are critiquing certain parts, you know what I mean, of yourself. And I mean, you know, I, I got into fitness modeling after uh, football and I did some com competitive shows and mm -hmm. I, think I was, got down to like 4% body fat, man. Oh, like, wow. You know, um, doing this magazine shoot, man, some very fun stuff. But, but even then, right? You know, four percent body fat, veins, abs, everything. But I can just still remember looking at myself like, oh, I turn around to the side. Oh, I got a little fat right here, and it's just like it's a little skin there. And it's 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 the right. It's this issue that we have with perfection. And for those that are listening, I would challenge them, as you just so eloquently put it, man, is the self-love, when you hear it, you know, people really don't give the breakdown of what it is. And what I liken it to 
is unconditional acceptance. That's what it is. Unconditional acceptance. You know, one of the things that I was able to do through my healing journey um, is learn to accept every part, the good, the bad, the ugly, the disgust, the stuff that's hiding in the basement, the stuff that you put up on the top shelf in the closet, the stuff that you hid under the big sweater. You know what I mean? It, it's all of that, man. You know, and so I think that's important for individuals to understand that self-love, you know, encompass, uh, or, or as the Bible likes to say, right, it, it, it covers a multitude of sins, but I like to push it even further that it encompasses everything that we need in order to be fulfilled. Because if I can accept those parts of me, then I don't have to worry about others rejecting those parts because I've already accepted them. And why we don't accept them is because we think others will reject them. So we don't even acknowledge them. But can I tell you, until you have accepted all of you, you are not walking in real self-love. Wow. Wow. Love that. Absolutely love that. That really resonates. Um, I know we have a, just a few minutes left here, Jay, but I did want to go back to that uh, Al Bundy syndrome because I think that's actually really, really relatable to a, yeah. to a lot of people. <laughs> um, and and um, I'm just going to tell you how I took that. And then, you know, you, you take that. So like, you know, when we have these successes, whether we win a state championship or, or a, we win a tournament or something was really uh, amazing back in our youth or in the past, we like we tend to hold on to it maybe a little too long. Right. Is yeah. that kind of what you meant by that? That Al Bundy syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, and, and, and two, you know, is, 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 I, I wish you see, I can grab it. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so the, these are my championship rings. Let's go. School, college. You know, all this stuff, man. So, you know, they sit in the case and, you know, I got other memorabilia, you know, and stuff like that. And for me, it's, this is just what it is, <laughs> you know? It's beautiful it. though. I mean, that's a, it's I mean. beautiful. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I think, you know, being able to look at this and accept that, at that time in my life, it was a great moment. And being able to appreciate it, but also look at the moments that I've created beyond this. Right, right. So the moments now is looking at Jess Hill Bro and Jess Hill Bro being a tour, the Sherry Shepherd, the Charlemagne, all of these moments. And I think the Al Bundy syndrome is this is all I have. Right. Right. I didn't do anything else beyond this. So when someone is talking about life and when someone is talking about where they are, who they want to become, I go back to this. This is what I did. In 2001, I was a champion. 2001, I was player of the year. You know, I mean, and it's just, and, and, and it's one of those things where who did you become after those moments? And if those were your best moments, I, I th there's this, empathy that I 
I would say I would say the sympathy that I feel with you that you did not create other moments beyond that. Because if I have to keep going back to those moments, then I have shortchanged myself out of life and its experience that it had to offer beyond that moment. And that doesn't mean that that wasn't a great moment, but life is about becoming. Who did you become after? Who did you become beyond? Mm. And so when I think about the Al Bundy syndrome, it's the inability to move beyond your greatest achievements. Right, right. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want to touch on one last thing, and then I want to let you talk about your books and, and all your offerings and everything. Um, the idea of, you mentioned, the, the, I've heard you talk about depression. Now, I think this is relatable um, to a mm -hmm. lot of people out there. And identifying with that word, and it doesn't even have to be that word. It could be any word, right? But I'm just using that word depressed for, for this example. Um, you said, when you tell your clients this, you, you say, if, if someone comes to you and say, man, I'm, I'm depressed. You say, no, I'm not, you're not depressed. You are experiencing depression. You are a divine child of the light of God, just experiencing depression. And I just think I just really love that, right? Because I think a lot of times we use these words like um, that, that define us going back to identity, right? That, that define us and it creates that story, right? And mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is don't don't let th these little experience, th these these conditions create That's your it. story, right? This is just a condition you can move through it, right? Maybe you yeah. can use therapy, you can use affirmations, you can use tools around you. But don't let these words define you. I was yeah, hoping you could absolutely. just expand on that a little. Well, yeah, because I, I feel like, man, and, and maybe some other clinicians will probably argue with me. Um, I like to say depression is not a diagnosis, right? I think it's data. As the same as I say, your trauma is not a diagnosis. It's data, right? The data tells you what is going on, right, beneath you know, uh, the, 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 the surface and what is going on beneath the womb. Um, depression is a symptom, right? There are symptoms that can help a clinician, psychiatrist identify that you may be in a depressed state, but even those symptoms, right? The depression is usually associated with an event, associated with the condition, associated with a circumstance or, you know, something that has taken place. And I think when you, when, whenever I have broken that down to clients, there's this weight that's just dropped because oftentimes mm -hmm. they feel like they have to put on this jacket of depression and wear it. Like it's this beautiful coat that everyone is looking at and says, oh, you know, because it's also the label too, right? That we use when you are not, not really clear on who you are, right? When it comes to your identity. And so I think being able to help people conceptualize and differentiate between depression and sadness has really helped so many people, man, because I'm not quick to just throw that on somebody. And right. I'm not saying that you're not having thoughts of depression, like you're feeling like you're sad, you want to go to sleep. And they've even, the new studies have came out to even um, uh, uh, acknowledge that depression it's not a biochemical, you know, issue, you know, it's circumstantial, it's situational. 
And for the longest, they were prescribing meds to people who said that they were depressed and giving them these medications that alter uh, chemically their neurotransmitters, which is how we receive and how messages are transported. So it was shutting off certain uh, uh, receptors that were enhancing other thoughts and other beliefs, right? Because again, if I shut down your serotonin levels and, and, and I give you medication to increase your dopamine levels, it's probably going to alter some other things within you psychologically. Mm -hmm. So to really break that down to people where they said, wow, you lost your job. And rather than depression, it's really more that you're just concerned about what's going to happen with your finance. But you become overwhelmed about the concern of your finance that you become depressed, which limits you from looking for another job or putting yourself in position to redirect your career or course correct or all those man and people be getting free bro <laughs> they be like man thank right. you i'm sitting because again they start to say man i'm depressed and i said well, all right well why are you depressed you know yeah and so wow. um even when i was in therapy i knew my depression was associated with unprocessed emotion and feelings because I had never talked about how I felt about the divorce, about the abuse, about anything that took place in my adolescent years. So I was living in a very suppressed state that was amplifying, or should I say, that was the culprit of my depression. Right. You know, and right. so, uh, and I think what's important, man, you know, as a, so many clinicians and doctors, we love to hinge and hold our hats on our heuristics and things that we've learned. But it's so important, man, to 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 be open to understanding how can I give, how can I meet the client where they are, not based on what I've learned, but based on what I'm seeing. Sure. Wow. Wow, so, bro. Um, man. Yeah, you you made me teach a life class today, man. Bro. Man, we could do a part two, part three. Um. Talk real quick, Jay, about this this word that I heard you use at the beginning. You said fulfillment. To me, that just encompasses this whole idea of the living the inspired life, playing like a playing life like a game and playing to win and feeling good and having emotional intelligence and and connecting and being aligned, right? Like all these things we talked about that were fulfillment. Just just briefly, just just how whatever comes to your mind when I say that word, just just talk about that for a minute. Uh, content. Mm. That's the word that comes to me. Content. Yeah, man. Fulfillment is content, and fulfillment doesn't mean that you're complacent. Complacent. Complacent is for someone who doesn't have a desire to move further than where they are or beyond where they are. But contentment is to say, I'm okay right here. Right. And right. it doesn't mean that I'm not pushing for better. I'm not pushing for more. I'm okay right here. And I think uh, a lot of us need to take Selah moments. You know, when you study Psalms and you hear David using Selah moments, they're, 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 they are moments of pause, a moment to pause, as I like to call. It's a holy pause. And so contentment is just, I'm pause. I'm still. I'm not performing. I'm not being. I'm, I'm content. And the fulfillment is that in this moment, I am centered. In this moment, I am satisfied. And I think until you find that, right, you would 
it would be difficult for you to be satiated because you'll always be looking for something to fulfill you. And so fulfillment is just really, man, being content. Mm. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Mic drop. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, uh, talk about your books. Talk about your, yeah, uh, man. you know, your your websites, your therapy offerings, your social media, yeah. just, just all that stuff. So yeah, man. Um, my book, Jesse Hill Bro, uh, Hello King, Letters to the Young Queen, Finding Our Lost Kings and Queens. These are books that I've all written. Uh, and the new release book, Jess Hill Sis, will will come out next year, uh, which I'm, I'm I'm finishing right now. But all of these books are um, available on Amazon. Um, there's a few that are uh, on Kindle if people still use Kindle. <laughs> so, uh, And my website, if you are interested um, in working one-on-one, is kjbcoaching.com, kjbcoaching.com, which is uh, KJ, King J. Barnett Coaching. So it's just uh, abbreviated KJB Coaching. And then also for our tour, the Just Heal Bro Tour, um, that is justheal.co. And so if you're uh, interested in bringing us the tour to a city, you're bringing a tour to a university, you can go there for that. And so uh, I'm just excited, man. Thank you, brother, uh, for today, man. Um, I enjoyed this, man. Um, I, I felt like I just sat in a life class myself. <laughs> so, because most time when I'm, I'm speaking, I'm often talking to myself as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, this this has been good, man. This was beautiful, man. Thank you so yes. much for making the time. I will link all those things uh, in, in this podcast. And for the audience, man, go check out uh, uh, Jay's IG. Just mention your Instagram. Yeah, you, you, my man, Instagram. You put, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, King J Barnett uh, on Twitter. Uh, if I'm still on Twitter, if Elon Musk had not uh, deactivated <laughs> my account, I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, King J Barnett on Twitter, King J Barnett on Instagram. Yeah. And like I said, I will link all that, but man, your IG is, is awesome, man. You put so much beautiful content out there. I'm a fan. Um, I love bro. this conversation. Thank you so much. Don't yeah, go anywhere. Uh, give me one second for everyone out there. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for, for being a part of this podcast. Peace and blessings, everybody. Appreciate y'all.